Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Main Street Finance Podcast. I am, of course, Alex, your host. And this week, we have a great interview, which I want to do as a case study in having a company, taking it public, and then maybe even a little bit of information on some acquisitions and mergers. Today, joining us on the show is Jim Pakoulis, who is the CEO of Boosh Plant-Based Brands, Inc., which is a Canadian-based public company that essentially competes with Beyond Meats and Possible Meats. They do plant-based snacks and foods. Jim has over three decades of experience working with both public and private companies in a variety of just emerging sectors and has developed an ability to be able to scale these things. So Jim, welcome to the show. Alex, thank you for having me. This is wonderful. Oh, yeah. So I know I, I did talk a little bit about your background, but I was wondering if you would like to go a little bit more into your expertise, how you ended up at Boosh, and just go into a little bit of just where you're coming from here. Yeah, happy to. Um, I actually started in the emerging pubco world back in 2010. I was fortunate enough to have taken through a reverse merger in the United States, Weed Maps Public in uh, 2010, was CEO of that company, grew from zero to about 16 million in annual revenue in less than two years. That's where uh, it was baptismal by fire. Um, when, when you're in the, uh, in the CEO or president's role of, of emerging publicly traded companies. So that's where I learned a lot from that. Subsequently, stayed in the cannabis space and was in the corner office as either uh, president or CEO for the remaining decade. A couple of years ago, started looking outside the cannabis sector and came across the plant-based industry and thought that this was fantastic. My, my small team and I realized that this could be a huge disruptive transformation from animal protein to plant-based protein. So we spent a significant amount of time doing our due diligence and analyzing it and realized that this was something we really wanted to get into for the long run. And then consequently, I looked at probably 30 to 40 different companies to acquire in 219, 220. And then we came across Boosh, Boosh Plant-Based Brands, which was based out of Van- greater Vancouver area. And they exceeded our, our metrics and our, uh, uh, our various different criterias for something we would want to acquire and then take public. So that's uh, my background in a nutshell and how we got introduced to Boosh. Okay. And then, so just to be clear, it sounds like, or at least you had made the comment that you decided to switch over to a plant-based industry, but it sounds like to me that you were already in a plant-based industry (laughs) and you were moving over to just another plant-based industry. But instead of, you know, that plant ending up in your lungs, this time we moved on to the stomach. Uh, Well stated, Alex. Yes. (laughs) Surprisingly, you're the first one that's actually brought that to my attention. You're right. Yep. That's exactly right. That's funny. Yes. Well stated. So you guys, you and your team didn't actually start Boosh. You guys actually went and acquired it, became CEO, blew the sales out of proportion here. And then on top of that, y'all went on. And then just recently here, y'all went and bought another company called Beanfields, right? Yeah. And that's correct. Um, I just want to clarify one thing. So Boosh, from, from a sales standpoint, and this is important. I don't want to mislead any investors. Absolutely. Uh, Boosh uh, started with relatively small uh, revenue and it is growing month over month. Uh, we did a re- and, and also in 2021, besides taking Boosh public on the Canadian Securities Exchange, the CSE, under the ticker VEGI, we actually also acquired three small boutique plant-based companies wanting to expand our portfolio. 
uh, and, and they all synergistically worked wonderful. Uh, we were very fortunate directing the, the, the answer to the question about bean fields. We were very fortunate. Just recently, uh, we closed about two weeks ago, the acquisition of bean fields, which is a, a plant-based chip, uh, as well as onion rings. And they're doing uh, an unaudited right now. We're going through the audit process. They're doing roughly... Um, 11.4 million U.S. in annual revenue, trailing 12 months. So that equates to just under 15 million Canadian revenue. So it it was a, a transformative acquisition, one of the largest acquisitions to help grow a company that I've been involved in, um, and it's really setting us on a course because now in the last two weeks I've had so many phone calls from other companies. Uh, interested in potentially talking with us about acquisitions and, and continuing growing um, Boosh slash Beanfields to a much larger entity. Okay. So let me ask you this. You just went into that Boosh does plant-based uh, chips. Could you go into a little bit? I think we kind of skipped over it. Could you go yeah. into what it is that Boosh does? Absolutely. Happy to. And Boosh is phenomenal. If you think of Amy's uh, at the at the plant-based uh, sector of a grocery store, Amy, Amy's frozen or, or even chilled. Boosh is very similar to that. My humble opinion, very biased. I believe Boosh tastes better. Um, we have six frozen, non-GMO, gluten-free, heat and eat family meals. So it's wonderful for, for Anybody, uh, you know, 92% of our customers are meat eaters, but they want a little more plant-based food in their diet. So they'll go ahead and grab a bouche out of the frozen section. So we have six frozen, beautiful meals, rustic pot pies, shepherd's pies, uh, Mexican fiesta bowls, just, and they taste fantastic. Uh, we also last summer introduced three refrigerated products or brands, and that would be the mushroom gravy, chili, and sloppy drope. Joe, all of them are fantastic. And then uh, we also in the fall introduced two shelf stable uh, mac and cheeses uh, and, and, uh, and they taste fantastic. So we have, we're in three of the four different sections. So if you take a step back, look at the sections of a grocery store, frozen, refrigerated, shelf stable, and then fresh produce. We're obviously not going to be in the fresh produce, but we are in three of the other four sections. And now we're in the subsection category of the snack, natural snack food section with the acquisition of Beanfield. So we have a lot of different products in the grocery store. Okay. And that's something I was thinking of, just the finance degree in me is thinking. So you guys just did a quite large acquisition. You guys are in the middle of doing that. And then it sounds like y'all are pursuing different products in all kinds of, let's say, different aisles of the grocery store. I mean, it sounds like you're growing in a lot of different directions very fast. Are you guys capitalized for that? Or is that part of your corporate strategy? Do we have, I'm just worried a little bit about the financing there, just hearing all this growth. That's a great question. So I'm going to give you an expansive answer. I have been doing it, as I mentioned, about 12 years. My team, uh, one of the principals that I work with, uh, has been doing it for almost a quarter of a century. We premeditate everything that we do to the best of our capabilities to try to control the outcome. There are some things we just can't control, um, but we try to control the outcome. And I'm saying this is because unlike a lot of small emerging publicly traded companies that will have 50, 100, 150 million shares outstanding, we are ultra conservative. Our goal is to protect the shareholders and investors as the best of our capabilities. 
That means we want to be as non-dilutive as possible. Non-dilutive means don't issue a lot of shares. So when we went public in May of 2021 with Boosh, we only had 16 million shares outstanding. Most companies, again, would go public with 50 or 100 million shares. We only had 16 million. Roughly 28% was owned by insiders, meaning the founders of the company who are still working every day at Boosh. The other unique thing, Alex, about us is a lot of companies will use institutional financing to get out of the gate, get, get out of the gate meetings to go public. We like retail investors uh, and we like a very large shareholder base. We don't want you know, one or two or three entities controlling our destiny. So when we went public, we went public in May at 50 cents a share. We had verbally over $10 million of orders. We only took in 2.8 million because we didn't want to be diluted at 50 cents. And we had over 1,100 investors that invested in our, in our relatively small IPO. Of course, all of them wanted more position than they got. But again, we like a very large shareholder base. Um, so our long-term goal is to have the largest shareholder base as possible. And everyone shares on the upside as long as we stay diligent and try to be um, as conservative as possible on the cap table. Now, why did I not take the 10 million? Well, we did not take the $10 million of the IPO because I didn't want to dilute the company. I only want the capital on the books when we can deploy that capital. Having capital on the books that you can't deploy at this early stage, you're shooting yourself in the foot. So next stage we did, we raised a, a small uh, 1.2 million financing subsequent to the IPO for working capital. And then we ended up coming across the Beanfields transaction and delving into the Beanfields, which ties into the capital needs because we we're in the middle of a capital raise right now. Um, we announced last week a $2 million capital raised. This morning, we put out a press release. We're halfway there. We just raised a million plus, and we'll have another million that we're going after to raise. Um, all of that for working capital for the Beanfields transaction. Uh, the Beanfield transaction, I think, is, again, getting back to transformative. We provided the sellers 8 million shares and took a very small note, $400,000 note 6% interest only balloon in 18 months. So we only have debt service of $2,000 a month. Why is that important? Because we hate debt. We really don't like debt. We like to say we're gluten-free and debt-free, <laughs> except for this little $400,000 note. So everything we do from a cap structure, going back to your question, is to protect, try to protect the shareholders and investors as we grow this you know, a company from an embryonic stage to the infantile stage to the growth phase, to the mature phase. And so right now we're still in the embryonic going into the, into the infantile stage and we, we have to protect it like a baby. And we just uh, don't want to take on debt. We don't want to have excess capital in the books at a dilutive price just to have capital in the books. It's, it's just not necessary. So every dollar we bring in, we deploy it for ongoing growth. Okay. So do you see that there's a trade-off there maybe? Because I totally understand doing smaller funding rounds to where yep. you know, you're only taking the capital that you need. You don't have all this cash sitting on the books just waiting to be deployed. Totally understand that. But do you think maybe there's a sort of repricing risk? Because each time you go in there and you request these additional funds, that's another time you have to open up your books. You have bankers, private equity. You got all these people looking at you. And then 
that could maybe open y'all up to some valuation changes, especially when you're in an environment like this, where as we're recording this, I mean, you've got Russia, you've got inflation, you got all kinds of this other stuff. Do you see that there's any kind of risk in sort of, I guess, your pricing and valuation going crazy because of the multiple times of coming out and requesting these small amounts of financing? Great question. So valuation, let's talk talk about that. I think we've been extremely undervalued compared to our peers in the marketplace. Even now, after acquiring a company doing trailing 12 months unaudited, roughly a Canadian 14 million US, roughly 11.4 million in revenue, and the audit should be completed in about 30, uh, 60 days, excuse me. Even with that, we're extremely undervalued. Number two is one thing we also did, and I didn't share this with you. One thing we also did with the IPO was have $1 warrants. And so when we were trading in $1.20, $1.30 range, we had organically these revenues coming in were, were exactly what you just said. I didn't have to go to talk to bankers. I didn't have to do a roadshow. We didn't have to stop what we were doing and growing the company to go speak with others. We were able to go ahead and have this money come in organically. Your point is very well taken. However, I, I don't mind doing that because I, we as a team think that that protects the company better Protecting the company means protecting the investors and the shareholders as we grow the company. Now, uh, hypothetically, if we get to a certain point as far as our revenues and we want to go out and, and the market uh, changes, because you know it's a tough market right now. You just clearly explained how challenging it is in the marketplace. You have a war going on. The plant-based sector has compressed significantly over the last 12 to 18 months. I personally believe that that's going to turn around. I think there's a huge transformation taking place. We see article after article of not only retailers, uh, such as the grocery stores getting the plant-based, but also the fast food chains getting the plant-based. I think we're going to see this transformation. And I also think this market is just going to, to, to shift, hopefully in the not too distant future. And therefore, the valuations of certainly Boosh will be in aligned with our peers in the marketplace. But during that time where it's uncertainty, I, again, I'd rather not dilute the company and have extra cash on the books. We'll go out and get cash when we need it. Is it extra workforce? Yes, it is. But that's okay. We're used to doing a lot of hard work. All righty. And I very much appreciate you going into the weeds here with me on the finances. That's a lot <laughs> yeah, of... Sorry. I did go in the weeds, didn't I? Yep. Oh, no, I was thanking you for joining me because normally I don't ask a lot of capital structure questions because I think it's a little uh, a little too higher end, but it's not too, too often that I get to talk to a CEO and really get to grill people on uh, their capital structure. So I was thanking you for uh, indulging me. Absolutely. Anytime. Anytime. And let's go ahead. Let's get away from finance for a second. I want to talk a little bit about strategy. So it seems like you guys, you have the frozen meals, the meals for families, but it doesn't sound like you are trying to, it seems like you're treading lightly as far as the bigger companies in the industry, such as Beyond Meats, Impossible Meats, all of them. It seems like you guys are focusing on snack foods, sort of the um, side things, not so much, you know, the cheeseburgers and whatnot. You guys are going for the bean-based chips and snacks like that. Is that an active part of the strategy? Do y'all plan on getting into like a sort of plant-based ground meat or anything like that to be able to take on Beyond and Impossible? No. So we have a wonderful relationship with Beyond Meat, actually. We, we have an alliance with Beyond Meat. We have Beyond Meat in two of our meals, uh, veggie bolognese and shepherd's pie. And we'll probably have Beyond Meat in more of our meals. So we have a great alliance. No, we do not want to go toe-to-toe -to -toe 
with a very large company. We like to say we complement the plate. We don't want necessarily to be the center of the plate. As an example, the three acquisitions, small boutique acquisitions we did last year, beautifully complemented what we do and complemented the plate. Plant-based cheese, pate, veggie. Think about it, veggie pate. How would you ever think of a pure veggie pate? And now we're, we're expanding our veggie pâtés to have a, a variety of different lines in that. So this is, when I say the side of the plate and not the center of the plate, this is what I mean. We're not going to come out with a, a plant-based you know, substitute for a hamburger or chicken wings or chicken nuggets, but we want to complement that. And that's what Boosh is about, complementing that. Uh, and that even includes the chips company that we just purchased, as well as the onion rings. And the onion rings, by the way, they were introduced in mid-2021. They won several awards and they they did tremendously well the first six months. And in fact, they're my favorite. I, I just it's incredible how good they are. I would put our onion rings up against any other onion ring in the marketplace on a blind taste test. And I think we would come out number one. They are so darn good. But getting back to your question, no, we don't have the um, we we are more guerrilla warfare in regards to that. We don't, we're not positioned to compete with the, with a lot, very large macro companies in the arena, but we do very much like to be the secondary products on a plate and we're very good at it. Okay. And that's, that's definitely uh, some bold statements there about the onion rings, but I have two directions I want to go here, but first I'm going to ask my more probably ignorant question here. Me personally, I'm not I haven't really had a lot of experience with really any of the plant-based meats. So I I really got to ask you this. So you guys just acquired bean fields and their claims to fame are you have bean based chips and just vegetable based chips and then um, the onion rings. But I mean, chips and onion rings come from potatoes and onions. I mean, to me, those are all, and again, this is an ignorant question to me, those are already plant-based. Those hundred percent come from plants and then just either baked, fried, whatever. So what is the benefit of making them out of beans instead of, you know, onions and potatoes? Fantastic question. Two things. Number one, the amount of processing that takes place. And number two, the, the lack of dairy in, in our products versus the other products. So go ahead and compare, get a bag of Doritos and take a look at the, you know, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 different products in the Doritos as far as ingredients, and then compare that to a bean fields, which is significantly less. And it's healthy, you know, uh, in general, it's healthy food that you're putting into your body. So you don't have the processing, have the chemical additives, you don't have the dairy in some of the products. You just have a far healthier and equally tasting product to eat. Okay. So I think I'm sorry. And again, this is more of a personal question. I didn't prepare. No, this no, anything. absolutely. Yeah. But, Alex, uh, I asked the same, Alex, I asked the same question. We were buying it. You know what? what hey, wait a second. Why? You know, what are we doing here? You know, it's like these companies that come out with this natural popcorn. Well, heck I was eating popcorn. What's, what's wrong with the popcorn? I was already eating, you know, and then, you know, I get explained, people tell me, educate me. So um, with the bean fields, you're eating a very healthy product that is significantly less processed with healthier ingredients and and on on some of the some of the uh, actual skews has no dairy in it. And compared that to our competitors, um, you'll see a vast difference. 
Gotcha. And actually that has me thinking of, um, it's funny you say popcorn because the thing that's popping up in my mind is God, for the life of me, I can't remember the name, but it's the new chip brand that is a hundred percent like popcorn. Like they only list three ingredients, it's like popcorn, oil, and salt. So it's sort of like that. Um, is what I'm, I like to learn in metaphors. So to me, it sounds like chips, eh, chips and onion rings out of beans is kind of like that in that it's a much simpler ingredient. And because of that, you don't need to have, you know, 25 different chemicals in there to yes. turn into a chip. So right. it's healthier, it's simpler and just overall better. Is that, is that about right? Well stated, very well stated. And I'll, let me give you some, some data points on that. If, uh, sure. The grocery stores, the large change grocery stores are now budgeting significant amount of money for tenant improvements to expand their frozen sections, vastly expand their frozen sections in some uh, chains to accommodate plant-based foods. Why? Because plant-based foods has minimal preservatives. People are gravitating to plant-based foods. They're tasting just as good. Price points are just as good. They're better for us. They help the animal kingdom. We don't kill as many animals. They help planet earth because we don't have to use as much resources for plant-based foods. So consequently people and the, the, and I'm saying the people, millennials, Gen X, Gen Ys, Gen Zs, they're the ones that are educating us, you know, I'm pushing 60 and you know, it, it's wonderful that, that the, the various younger generations are saying enough is enough, you know, let's stop. Let's, we can have just as good of a burger with a plant-based burger. You know, if you go to Carl's, Carl's Jr., and, you know, I have no interest in Carl's Jr., just <laughs> as a disclosure, but I'd love going there and getting a Coca-Cola and a, and, and a plant-based hamburger and some fries. It's fantastic. It tastes just like Carl's Jr. with a hamburger. So it, we're, we're getting to a point where plant-based foods are fantastically tasting. I was, I was meeting somebody earlier, half, an, uh, half a day earlier. And they were talking about in the 2000, 2005, there was, a, there was three or four different companies that were vegetarian companies with the fake patties, but they tasted like cardboard. And I, and, and I recognize that because I was a vegetarian from 2001 to 2010. But fast forward just 10, 12 years, and you have such a variety of fantastic tasting foods that are price points that we can all accept, that are healthy for us, that help the animal kingdom and planet Earth. Tell me what is wrong with that. No, there's nothing wrong at all. And honestly, I'll throw another point in there that uh, you didn't mention. And that's that when you have a lower dependence on meat, a lot of people don't realize that meat actually takes up a lot of you know physical landmass and acreage. So, I mean, if you have a 100 acre, 100 acre cattle ranch, I mean, you might have now, if there's any cattle people out there that are listening to me, I don't know how these numbers work. So I'm just picking these out of nowhere just to make a point. So please don't come after me for this. <laughs> say you can only fit, you know, a hundred cows. Know, that's too much. Let's say 50 cows per acre. Well, 50 cows per acre. Each of those cows is what? Uh, 400 pounds of usable meat. I mean, having all of that meat takes a lot of acreage of land. So if we were as a society, hypothetically, to move more towards plant-based and away from meat-based, that's a whole lot of land that was pastures that now gets to be sort of unlocked. And then we can turn that into corn or beans or whatever else, which can generally give us a higher yield, you know, per square foot or per square acre or whatever. 
So not only do you have the benefits of using less meat and if you're a more animal activist, less, you know, killing of animals to sustain ourselves, but you also get that additional land mass, which makes us grow more food, which then allows us to, you know, improve global hunger, or I guess, yeah, I guess improve works. I don't want to sound like a monster here. Nope. I th- you're spot on. Let me just compliment you with one thing or compliment that statement. It's water, the amount of water that's, that's needed to grow the hay or whatever substance for the cows that need water as well. We don't have it. The population growth is exceeding the amount of resources we have on planet earth. And you just hit it. You just spot on, man. That's exactly right. We don't have the resources. We don't have the land mass for the animal kingdom and the animal kingdom needs water. They need feed. We cannot afford it. And then if you look at it on a little bit more of a regional or micro level, in the, in the Western United States, there has not been enough rain. So you're, you're seeing ranchers that have, have actually had to close down because they cannot support their cattle anymore. That has nothing to do with the plant-based industry. That just has to do with just the, the organic flow of nature. So what do we do? Well, we have to go to plant-based. We have to. There's, we don't have a choice. As, as consumers of food, we don't have a choice, Alex. So, you know, let's just do it smartly. Let's make sure we premeditate this and do it the right way. Yeah. And then not to mention that, I mean, the more people that move over to plant-based now, again, I don't want to come across as a hypocrite. So I do want to disclose here that currently, you know, I still eat meat. I I have not tried a lot of plant-based anything really, but just, I think I can safely say this in general without being a hypocrite here, but the more people or us as a society move towards plant-based, the more money and more investment goes into it. I mean, take, I mean, take Boosh, take uh, bean fields. I mean, the more people go into this market, the more people that are buying these foods, well, more money is going to chase after that and say, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll start a plant-based company or maybe I'll make my plant-based foods better than these guys. And then overall, we're going to iterate and plant-based stuff is going to get better and better and better tasting, which naturally is going to have a snowball effect, getting more people into it. Brilliant. Snowball effect proliferates. That's exactly right. And I hope people do because it only help everybody. Be more competition for me, but that's okay. It'll help everybody. And that's what we need to do. And also, we, we didn't hit on one thing, Alex. It's healthier, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just dang healthier for the body. <laughs> and, you know, I, it's just overall, it's a win-win. Now that the fact that the vortex has hit, it's tasty. You feel good after you eat it. The price points are reasonable. It, it's becoming easily accessible. Why not? You know, why not? And I'm not sitting here, you know, as a, as a vegan or a vegetarian, I'm a, you know, I'm a flexitarian. I love my chickens. You know, I love my fish. Just, you know, I think similar to you from what I hear, but you know, we got to start steering more toward the plant-based arena. We just have to, there you go. That's my two cents. All right. So let's, let's get a little bit away from uh, societal impacts and let's get back to uh bush here <laughs> just to right sort of round us off here. So, I have a question for you just about the future of Boosh and what you see for it. So we had talked a little bit before about you guys have a good relationship with Beyond and you're not trying to, you know, be the center of the plate. Y'all are trying to be more around the sides. As you had said, I mean, plant-based is doing very well. It's growing. You have more and more companies entering the arena. And you had also stated that you guys are being very protective of your shareholders. 
So I'm curious to the extent of that, or rather the definition of that protection, because part of me, once you mentioned the partnership with Beyond, are you at all afraid of, or I guess, are possibly looking forward to possibly being acquired by Beyond or maybe a possible? Because if, as you guys are expanding your product lines, it could be that Beyond wants to expand uh, <laughs> Beyond uh, burgers and chickens and be the center of the plate. Maybe they want to acquire the sides of the plates. And since they already have a relationship with you and know how good your product is, I mean, to me, looking at it with the business degree, it looks like you guys are a prime target for them. Is that something you would look forward to? Or is that something you would maybe, you know, fight often to protect your investors? So uh, several different things, uh, just for clarity. And I, if I misspoke, I apologize. We have an alliance, not a partnership. A partnership uh, has a whole different connotation. Alliance simply means that we we are buying their products and putting it into our foods and we just have a great relationship. So I just, I want to make sure we're clear on that. Number two, as the CEO of a publicly traded company, my goal is to do the best I can to increase our share price. And that means protecting the company and trying to be as non-dilutive as possible. So protecting the company, what does that mean? That means should we get to critical mass? And in my mind, 50 million annual revenue is critical mass, should at that point, other companies want to go ahead and look at us for a potential target, sure, I happily entertain them because everything we've talked about is, is tied into the public company in which investors have invested to receive shares, warrants, options, and hopefully they appreciate over time. And I want them to appreciate over time. So if I'm able to deliver a product in, in X period of time, one, two, three years, that doing X number of revenue that is attractive to much larger company in, in any sector. Sure, I'll, I'll absolutely, I'll, I'll look at it 100% because I think that's the best for our shareholders for an appreciation of share price. You know, there's a, there's a point of, you know, I, everything we've talked about is almost righteous, but I, I also, you know, the key is appreciation of share price. So I have to stay focused on that. Would it be, you know, it'd be wonderful if a very large plant-based company in a year or whatever came knocking at our door because the way we structured our company, fantastic. Love to talk to them and potentially negotiate a transaction. Fair enough. It's just something I was thinking of because it's like, well, if you're trying to do everything they're not doing, and then <laughs> there's already a relationship there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Plant the seed, aren't you? No pun intended. <laughs> All righty, Jim. So we've talked about, you know, your possibility and the openness of being purchased, but let's, let's go ahead and get rid of that. No acquisitions, no nothing. Cause you know, we don't know if that's ever going to happen, what those terms are, you know, whatever. Let's, let's forget all that. So what does the future of Boosh look like? Or I guess the, the combination of Boosh and Beanfields now, after y'all get that, because I mean, I know it takes a lot of work to really integrate another company. What is the next step for you guys? Synergy, 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 synergy. For, for anyone listening in, one of the most challenging parts of doing an acquisitions is blending the companies together. The majority of acquisitions, if you look at a 10-year history, whether it's small micro-cap companies similar to ours, mid-size or large, is a, is a tremendous amount of failure through the acquisitions because there's no synergy. One of our key metrics in regards to acquiring a company is to make sure we have synergy with the company that we want to acquire or acquire. Boosh 
and being filled has beautiful synergy. It's just fantastic. Everybody has blended together from day one. It was just great. One thing I always say, Alex, I don't care what you have done in your past and congratulations if you won this award or that award or you got this degree, you put your ego right at the door, open the door and come in. Everyone just puts your shoulder to the grindstone and goes to work. And that I demand as a CEO of the company. And everyone is doing that with Boosh and Beanfields. So organically, we will continue and grow. Organically means through our natural sales with Boosh and Beanfields, we will continue to expand. We, Boosh, uh, excuse me, Beanfields is in 7,000 stores right now throughout North America. There's roughly 57,000 stores throughout North America. We have a huge runway. Uh, we want to expand into the large box channels. That means the Costco's, the Target's. Uh, Walmart super centers. We want to expand into those stores, which hasn't been uh, investigated as of yet um, with Beanfields. So I think we have a tremendous upside with Beanfields. With Boosh, as we talked about earlier, there's a huge variety of beautiful foods that, they, that we produce, with it, whether it's frozen, refrigerated, or shelf-stable. So organic growth, meaning just natural sales, pushing hard. We have one of the best sales teams, I think, ever. We have just a great leader. TJ Welsh, 15 years natural food experience, also worked for Unify, was one of the managers there. He knows who's who in the zoo. He has deep relationships with a lot of buyers throughout North America. He heads up our sales department. Number two, acquisitions. I key myself. I spend an abnormal amount of time on looking at transactions for Boosh. We want to go ahead and if we can find another Beanfield type acquisition, we'll go ahead and take it down. We are very patient. We are very diligent. But again, we want to protect our shareholders, our investors, grow the company, grow the share price. Everybody walks away as a win-win. That sounds fantastic for me. And I mean, to be honest, that probably takes us directly into the conclusion here. <laughs> All right, Jim. So I got to tell you, there's a question I didn't prepare you for. So all of my audience knows I generally talk to the people I'm interviewing before I record, but I never warn them that this part is coming. So Jim, before we let you go here, what I'm going to ask of you is for a final last second mic drop statement. Now, this could be a statement that maybe you live your life by, that you run your companies by, or it could be a general statement about, in your case, plant-based foods, that industry as a whole. Just if you can give us a single statement that you would like to leave us with today. Always have integrity. Without integrity, you don't have a formation of the basis of a growth of a company. You have to have integrity. You have to be humble. You have to be truthful. And when things go sideways, and they always go sideways, every single deal I've been involved in and every single deal I've read about, things go sideways. Just address it. That's all. Things sometimes are important, but they're not urgent. When things get into the urgent stage, somebody missed the fact that they were important a while back. Try not to let things become urgent. Put it into a category of important or urgent. If it's important, address it. Jump on it. Go to where the puck is. Go to where the soccer ball is. Get there first and then relax. So if it's important, address it. 
don't wait two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, and then it becomes urgent and then there's issues. So it all ties to integrity of the people that, that you work with and that work with you. And I try to instill that with everybody. Let's work together as a team. Let's be a team. I don't like the corporate structure world. I like team. I like family. I like to make sure we do it together and we win together. That's my two cents, Alex. And guys, look, I'm not kidding. I didn't prepare him for that. He just had that ready to go. <laughs> All righty, Jim, before we get out of here, where can my audience find out more about you and more about Boosh? Like, if you have any social media links you'd like to drop, go ahead and leave them with me and I'm going to put them in the description below. Thank you. I'll just direct you to our website, www.bushfoodsingular.com, or just reach out to me if you have any any questions or comments. J Pakulis, P-A-K-U-L-I-S at bushfood.com. Happy to chat with you. All righty, and all that will be in the description below. You guys, make sure you go check that out. Jim, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day. Yeah. Alex, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. You're, you, you are doing a great job. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, sir. I'm happy to hear it. <laughs> All righty, guys. So you guys have some homework. Make sure you check out their website. Make sure you go check out. I mean, go hit up Jim. He just gave you his personal email address. Go hit that up. And while you guys are doing that, you guys have a great week. I will see you all next time.